Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I'm going to talk a little bit more about my uh, reading project and also about some kind of future plans, ideas that I'm having, um, basically hoping for, for call-ins, for people to, to put in their two cents, because I like hearing from you guys, and it's great to hear, you know, what, what you think about the stuff that I talk about. Um, Speaking of, I have a call in from Dave Aldridge, so I'm going to play that, and then I'm going to talk a bit more about my reading project. Hey, Arlen, it's cool to hear your book reports. Really impressed with the target you set yourself. I'm not getting anywhere near that. Yeah, Moby Dick, Lawrence and Moby Dick. So, admission. I only read Moby Dick last year. Um, I don't know what that says about me. I think it's, I think it's slightly easier to be. Uh, literate in the UK without having read Moby Dick. Maybe in the US that, that would be more of an odd claim. Anyway, I read it because I read uh, a wonderful book um, by Hubert Dreyfus. Well, I read this a couple of years ago, but it's sort of become my secular Bible. It's called All Things Shining, and it builds up towards an interpretation of uh, Moby Dick for the human condition. Anyway, I thought it was a really interesting interpretation of the book, and uh, that's a book that I recommend to everybody that I know uh, enjoys reading and thinking. So hunt it down, mate. That last bit came over a bit strong. I meant simply put it on the list, maybe get around to it. <laughs> it's good to hear you uh, putting out episodes again, Arlen, and uh, looking forward to Paladin on the weekend. Yeah, so... Uh... Nice to hear from from Dave Aldridge. It's uh, it's always great to hear from you, Dave. Um, yeah, all things shining. I um, in fact tracked down a copy and I've got it um, sitting on my shelf, so it's it's on the short list. So you know, pretty pretty serious position to be in. Um, I mean, I just asked Amazon nicely, and they said, "Well, send us some money, and we'll send it to you." And I said, "Well, okay." then I'll do that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Moby Dick, I first read Moby Dick in college in my, uh, sophomore year. And I, I kind of had an interesting relationship with the English department in my college because I, I liked like a third to half of the people in it. And I didn't like so much another third to half of the people. And then there was a sort of sliver in the middle where I didn't care so much. But a lot of them, I felt like, basically wanted to be kind of social scientists and didn't um, end up actually doing the social sciences. And so they were just interested in stuff that I, I wasn't very interested in personally and um, were kind of doing things that I didn't care about very much. And then there was another sort of branch that was um, people that I, I was really interested in and thought was really cool. And one of the things is that Moby Dick became sort of a, a gateway to the people that I thought were really cool because I remember distinctly talking to um, Tim Morton, who was one of my English professors, who I, I liked a whole lot, um, about Moby Dick in sophomore year when I was, I was just about to finish it up and went to an English, um, department thing. And he was there and sort of asked me, well, what are you reading? And I said, Oh, I'm reading Moby Dick. And he said, Oh, I love Moby Dick. 
in an English accent, he's an English guy. Um, and, and I said, oh, yeah, I love it, too, and it's so interesting. And then I've, I've been reading this other books about whaling and all that sort of stuff and ended up being – he, it turns out, is really interested in a lot of, like, environmentalism stuff. So I don't know. I never asked him what he actually thought. I don't know if he even remembers um, when I told him all about my kind of learning about whaling practices and how to, to depopulate the oceans. Um, I kind of hope he doesn't remember because I, I suspect he wouldn't look as fondly on that. And I um, tend to hope that he looks pretty fondly on, on most of my stuff. He graded my papers well, certainly. Um, but yeah, Moby Dick, uh, Moby Dick was a really big kind of turning point for me because it was, I didn't even read it. I didn't read it for a class or anything. I just sort of decided, you know what? I need a, a project this semester. I'm not being challenged enough, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so I'll, I'll read Moby Dick. And so I read Moby Dick and it was, you know, fascinating, wonderful, it, magnificent, um, and tedious too. It's kind of a strange thing. And I don't think it necessarily, I don't think it really takes away from that book to say that at times it really is tedious. But if you can, if you can kind of keep up a, a regular pace, it doesn't feel like that quite so much. It's sort of in the moment, it doesn't feel quite so. It's only really when you look back and think, Jesus, they've been on this boat for so long. And you know, interesting stuff has happened in the middle and the prose is wonderful, but uh, they've just been out in the ocean doing nothing. Anyway, um, kind of losing my train of thought. But uh, yeah, Moby Dick was uh, a big thing. Moby Dick also, that was around the time. So um, freshman year of college, I basically came up with a project that I would um, learn about film. And the way I do it was by watching a whole lot of movies and specifically by trying to be um, be deliberate, be um, focused, try to watch the best movies available, you know, really, really good, excellent, the, the like really special pieces of cinema. And I didn't do a perfect job of that by any means. Um, but I think I did okay, such as it was for uh, 18 year old me trying to figure out what the, the best of the best in terms of cinema was. Um, and then reading Moby Dick was around the time where I sort of shifted away from that and towards the study of literature in that way. And that kind of, brings me to my reading project because the the basic idea was recognizing oh my god there are these people who have just read so much and I haven't even though I I read um, pretty regularly you know throughout middle school and high school and earlier than that and was a, a voracious reader and all of that sort of stuff for a long time but you know when you're talking about professors who had you know 40 or 50 years of experience doing basically nothing but reading and writing stuff, of course they had read more than me. And so what I kind of came up with was this idea that, well, I could could do a little similar 
to what I did with the movies project that I could try to read the best of the best of what was available and sort of kickstart my way to, uh, being on par with these, these very intelligent, very well-read people. Um, and that has eventually by now turned into my kind of reading goal that I had for, for 2017 and 2018. And then have kind of, I fell off for 2019 for a while. I think it, um, has to do for those of you who, um, I have not talked about this, I think on the podcast, but I, I take, um, a whole concoction of antidepressants and they had some issues. And I kind of suspect that the first sort of early warning sign should have been when I, I slowed down and then kind of stopped my reading. And then as things progressed, it, it got worse and worse. But anyway, um, I'm sort of back into the, the swing of things now reading a, a fair bit using my, my lunch breaks at my job and my evenings after work to, to play games and read books, reading lots of interesting things. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the idea. The project is basically kind of almost like focused practice, similar, similar, I think to the idea of like, you know, practicing a musical instrument for an hour every day, or um, my buddy Kevin Madison does art, he does an hour of art every day, um, and he's good at it. Of course he's good at it. He spends an hour every day on it. So my 100 pages a day is basically the same sort of concept. It's, you know, read for an hour and a half to two hours every single day and get good at it. And I, I tend to think I'm pretty good at reading, and hopefully I – tend to think it's also true that good writers are good readers. And so I'm hoping that my writing is getting better and I'm trying to be a little more deliberate about, uh, getting some writing practice in too. But yeah, you know, uh, the reading, the reading has been really good. And I, I think it has a really positive effect on my mental health too. Um, kind of it happened at about the same time that I, I switched up the medicine and it's working a lot better now. But I really do think that um, having that kind of, you know, an hour of reading every day is good for the kind of mental stability, the sort of focus and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, pretty good, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. So I also wanted to talk just briefly about my kind of plans going forward with the gaming because um, I have a couple of ideas. So I've got this this Paladin thing coming up. Paladin, I think, is going to be super fun. We're fighting the Battle of Roncevau in um, this game system, Paladin. And it's the game system takes its name from Charlemagne's Paladins and the Battle of Roncevau is, is the battle where all of the paladins who were present died. You know the story. Paladin Roland and Olivier and Archbishop Turpin and all of them get attacked by Saracens in the, the pass, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, great stuff, super fun. The game is going to be a lot of fun. 
but I'm sort of, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for what I want to do next. Um, I had originally, so there's a couple of ideas that I had. I had originally talked about doing something Star Wars, and particularly Star Wars in the Clone Wars era. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure if I am up for a kind of long, intricate, multiple interlocking parts kind of campaign, though. That's sort of my question is, am I really feeling up for that and ready for that? And in some ways, I think, you know, I might I might put that on pause, put that idea on pause, in which case, what am I what else am I going to do? So I have a couple of ideas. One of them is to do um, more with with Paladin and or Pendragon. Then there's the Star Wars thing. Then um, there's a couple of games that I haven't talked a whole lot about. And I was doing D100 overviews, and I have some D100 games. In particular, I have Mithras. Mithras is a pretty cool game system seems pretty neat seems like it could be a lot of fun seems like you could do a really interesting kind of um blend of of sword and sorcery and kind of classical myth with mithras um in a lot of ways that would be a lot of fun so that's an idea and then um just recently i've sort of thought about well what about a a sort of more just narrative system. What about something like Hero Quest or Hero Quest Glorantha? And I kind of feel like that that might be the thing. That might be what I want to do coming up is to because I, I need to get into that system because I haven't I haven't really read through that system very much. Um, I, I sort of skimmed over the first bit of it and then that was that um so i need to sit down and read hero have the pdf for hero quest and have the pdf and the physical book for hero quest glorantha but i like robin laws a lot i think he's a really good designer and it's robin laws um and I don't know, something, something for some reason, just what I've heard about it, I, I had originally thought, well, that sounds a little kind of, I don't know, frou-frou, a little silly, the idea that you're not really concerned about like how difficult something should be in relation to the fiction, but just like, oh, it's how difficult should it be in relation to what would serve the story as an interesting turning point, and that that sounds a little silly by itself, but kind of thinking about it more, there's some stuff about that that appeals to me. So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about doing something with HeroQuest. Um, in which case, what would I do with HeroQuest? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what I would do with HeroQuest. Um, but I think I could do something interesting. I think I could do something kind of grand and mythological and that would would touch on a lot of the themes that I like to be interested in and all of that sort of stuff. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do. So that's part of why I am uh, putting out this episode is I'm like, well, maybe one of you guys has an idea. What, what do you think sounds interesting, especially 
if you want to play in one of my games, which I try to run games. I it seems like the general plan is that I run games Saturday af- early afternoon nighttime, which is Saturday night UK time, so that hopefully, basically everybody in the the Anglosphere, the the UK US times, is off from work and has a chance to play and all that sort of stuff. So if you'd like to play, please uh, reach out and you know. Tell me that you'd like to play in one of my games. And then, um, yeah, it'd be cool to hear if any of you have experience with with HeroQuest or with one of the other systems that I talked about. Let me know. Um, I don't know. Or if you have any ideas, any other systems I could check out. There was another. Oh, I was also thinking a little bit about doing something with Ars Magica. Except that Ars Magica requires a lot of system mastery. I really like the idea of the the kind of rotating GM. Everybody gets a chance to have their spotlight character do something. Um, and the rotating GM thing seems really interesting. Seems a little... I mean, you'd have to have players that are willing to kind of buy into that concept. But I don't know. I, I don't know. Aros Magica seems like it might be a bit of a hard sell. And... By contrast, one of the things that seems like it would be really cool about something like HeroQuest is that it would be a really easy sell. Be so easy to just say, like, you know, all you need to do is say, these are the things I'm good at and these are the things I'm not good at. And you roll a d20 and you just, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of I have a part of me that really likes the idea of story games, I think, and has enjoyed story games a lot. And and um, that game that Colin Colin Green Colin Spike Pit Green and I played called Era was uh, super fun. It would be great to play something like that again. I have another story game that's um, Grail Questing that that would be a lot of fun. Um, if anybody wants to play a Grail questing game, and that has room for more than a GM and one player, it's got uh, several player spots. Um, so I don't know. I I'm not entirely sure what I'm gonna do after Paladin. Um, I am sure I'm gonna keep up with the the reading reports because they're fun. I. I like telling you guys about the books that I've been reading, and it gives me a good kind of, you know, a kick up the ass to say, you know, go out there and, and do it. Just just read, you know. Don't sit around and be lazy and watch TV. Read something, you know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Um, I guess that's that. I guess we're going to the outro. So that's it for the episode. I have another episode kind of lurking in my mind um, based on, so Kevin Madison, Dungeon Musings, um, posted an episode of his podcast where he talked about something that kind of rubs him the wrong way, and it's this uh, kind of idealized separation between the player character and other characters of their type and the sort of average Joe um, and recognizing that within game and stuff. And I, I have thoughts about that and it's taken me a while to kind of tinker with all of them and think about it. And 
I, I suspect that we, Kevin and I probably disagree at least a little bit about it, partly because I, I kind of think that concept is interesting, especially when it seems to me that it is um, less, um, less obviously good or less obviously true than it sometimes is. I, the, one of the examples that he uses is from the matrix and, and the matrix deals with Plato's allegory, of the cave among other things and, and, or the myth of the cave. Um, and one of the things I am certainly not the first person to point out that Plato's myth of the cave is a myth about myths that are used to control the population by structuring their reality. And Plato's myth of the cave is a myth that controls that structures that sets a structure for reality. It in itself is kind of doing what it talks about basically. And that that's, I don't know. There's something sort of interesting to me about the idea that you're sort of, sort of maybe potentially separated from the common humanity, but also maybe not. Um, and especially when you get kind of told, yes, you are separate. And then you kind of think about it more and say, well, maybe I'm not, or I don't know. I, I think it's possible to start from solid yes or solid no and move into the gray area instead of having to start from a kind of tentative no to move into the gray area in between. I don't know. That's, that's sort of the the core of what I want to talk about, but that that episode is coming at some point. Um, but this is supposed to be the outro for today's episode, and it's not doing a very good job of being that. But that's all I have for today. I have been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland. Hit me up here on Anchor or on Twitter. I will see you next time. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.